Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Happy Wednesday, belly button of the week. Thanks for hanging out with us. No one says that. I don't know. You actually turned me on to it. No, I did. What? That's what a lot. You said it first. When we were in the studio, when we first originated and we first started, you kept saying it. I had never heard of anything like that. I feel like... Who would ever even think of that? I don't know. Somehow I caught onto it, and now it's just part of me, and I don't even know where it came from. Does, it came it from was your you, brain. It was Vanessa. You're the one who started it? Oh. oh. <laughs> just ruining things left and right, I see. Now I just get to blame Vanessa. I usually get the blame, so I'm, I'm okay with blaming it on someone You tried else. to blame me? You literally tried to blame me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, this show is now 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here on Channel Q. We're catching you up on LGBTQ plus news. Uh, we're catching up on what's trending in the news. We're catching you up on relationships, life, and so much more. Viral videos, pop culture. I mean, everything you need to know to be pretty much an informed human being. Mm-hmm. Right? I love that. And uh, coming up on the show, how to affirm the people in your life who use multiple sets of pronouns. This is really important because you could be aware and quote-unquote woke, but still not get it. Yeah, and I think even when you do uh, get it, it can be hard to um, make it consistent in respecting people's pronouns because mistakes happen. Things happen. You may forget that your friend who used to be he, him, goes by they, them now. So you just got to figure out what tools work for you and how to do the swap over so everyone's feeling respected. And it's National Women and Girls HIV AIDS Awareness Day today. So we're going to be telling you more on what you need to know coming up at 3.30 p.m. Pacific. It's a day for everything. 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Exactly. Which is good because it brings awareness, but literally there's a day for everything. There's no way you can remember it all. No, no. Just go and Google. What day is it? I don't even want to do that because I'm going to get overwhelmed because I just, what if I just want a Tuesday to be a Tuesday? What if I just want a Wednesday? to be a Wednesday. It's Taco Tuesday and it's Wednesday Wisdom, right? I live in in memes, it seems. Okay, what's trending this hour? Let's do it. The House just voted to approve President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief plan. The package includes up to $1,400 stimulus checks for some Americans, extends unemployment benefits, and will send billions of dollars in aid to states and municipalities. And here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. With today's expected passage of the rescue plan, I can announce that the president will sign the bill uh, at the White House on Friday afternoon. Okay, there you go. With today's... Thank you, Jen. (laughs) Let's uh, move into top stories in entertainment. What's happening, Ryan? 
Oh, okay. That was quick. All right. So Piers Morgan is still doubling down um, about his remarks on Meghan Markle and Jamila Jamil has something to say about it. Uh, it's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Let me get my music. Here we go. It is time. Jamila Jamil says Piers Morgan, actually, her, his campaign of lies against her almost drove her to suicide last year. Now, Jamila Jamil is a friend of the show. We've had her here on Let's Go There. And she was very open and honest with us, even about her own experiences with uh, with mental health and oh, suicide. Yeah. And, and I had no clue this was a thing. She tweeted, I almost killed myself a year ago because of Piers Morgan's relentless campaign of lies and hatred against me last February. I'm glad I'm still alive today for many reasons. And even then, he is still doubling down. Morgan told reporters, I don't believe almost anything that comes out of her mouth. And right now he's talking about Meghan Markle. Um, He says, and I think the damage she's done to the British monarchy and to the Queen at a time when Prince Philip is lying in hospital is enormous and frankly contemptible. Is that the word? I think that's the word. Either way, he's willing to say whatever and not care about anyone else's feelings all because of the queen and the monarchy, which I bet you the queen doesn't even know his name. Let's be quite honest. More than he doesn't want to be wrong. Yeah, that's mostly probably it. It's actually quite embarrassing and I'm just always constantly so proud of Jamila Jamil for even, you know, telling her side of the story. Even Ariana Grande had threw some shade at Pierce Morgan's oh. way. He was getting it out from all sides and I, I really hope he learns from this because I think we're coming to a time where we're not going to tolerate the crap anymore. We're really not. No one wants it. No one cares. That's your Tea Report. I got more coming up next hour and honey, we are diving in. The Tea Reports today are the juicy. Well, uh, coming up next, the Biden administration has declared anti-LGBTQ credit discrimination is illegal. Yes. More details on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, before we get into what the Biden administration is doing uh, to take away LGBTQ plus discrimination within the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, we've got Lamb the Legal joining us for that. Let's get into this viral video Uh, around Uber, okay? So this Uber passenger started screaming profanity, racial slurs at this driver. And he caught this all on camera, by the way. This happened in San Francisco on Sunday. He had just dropped um, or stopped to let one of the women, there was three women, uh, one of them wasn't wearing a mask. And as we know, there are these rules in Ubers that you need to wear a mask, right? I think two of them weren't. I oh. think one had their mask down, and then one in the middle was wearing one, and then well, the other girl Yeah, and then they put the, took them off, but like he said that she was refusing to wear, according to this article in Washington Post, uh, one of the two of them had a mask, one of them didn't. He stopped by the gas station, and as that person was getting their mask, the two others started harassing him. Then the other one comes in, and then in this video that now has 2.3 million views, uh, you could see them just going at it in the car, ripping this thing that was uh, the, his phone down from the front of his console. We have the clip, and just I just wanted to warn you. Uh, there's we have beeps, and we took out the profanity, but it's intense. <laughs> So it's just crazy to watch or and, and hear this actually. And 
I wonder if there's anything to protect these drivers because we talk about obviously the harassment um, and stuff that's happened from drivers to passengers. Uh, but is this going to happen more often now that we have these mask mandates in some states that have taken them away? Uh, and yet Uber and Lyft say that these are the rules. We've seen this happen on quarantine, though. I, oh, yeah. I, this isn't shocking. This isn't something that is new, unfortunately. Um, that's Remember the whole token of Karen going crazy, mask Karen or maskless Karen. We've seen these people. I mean, there was just literally a fight in Bath, uh, Bed and Body Works. Or what's Bath the, and Body Works. Yeah, whatever that place is with yeah. all the fragrances and things like that. Um, there was a fight that happened there between uh, some women uh, and an employee because they weren't refusing to wear their masks. So this is something that we see where people feel like these mask mandates are are attacking their freedoms. And it's just not true. It's not something that is actually based in facts. It's just to keep everyone safe. And these ideas that you can't do that just means like, why not order your crap on uh, on Amazon if you're going to do that when it comes to going into these stores? These Uber, I think Uber really needs to to figure out what happened and 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 set a precedence with these these people because this drivers everywhere could be you know put and harassed and put into these situations and what is this man supposed to do to be quite honest and what protects these drivers already they can't even unionize or get paid what they deserve uh, Uber did let us. Uh, have an, a response by the way we asked if they would join the show they sent us this response they said the behavior seen in the video is appalling as a result the rider no longer has access to uber our policy is clear no mask no respect no ride lyft has also uh made it so that the rider can't access their platform as well well so. Lyft had nothing to do with it but Lyft was like we'll do we it didn't happen with us but we're still going to make something happen if those people are using our platforms we're condemning it we're never going to allow this to happen and uber has to do a lot because i know uber already gets in trouble for their drivers but now we have to talk about the real thing about protecting your drivers as well and not putting them in these situations yep definitely well coming up on the show again the biden administration has declared anti-lgbtq credit discrimination illegal land illegal joins us for that next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q the consumer financial protection bureau under the direction of biden's administration has announced it will now include discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual discrimination in the equal credit opportunity act so you can't get discriminated against as it comes to credit karen lowey is the senior counsel and seniors strategist at lambda legal she joins us now thanks for being here Thanks for having me. So what was the history of this? How long have you been fighting for this? So, you know, the CFPB as an agency actually has a track record of reading the ECOA's sex discrimination protections this way. But, you know, this has been litigated for about 20 years, really, um, with courts largely reaching okay results. But this is this is huge. This is a great um sends a clear message that to all kinds of lenders that discriminating against LGBTQ people is off limits. Well, yeah, I, I guess, of course, discrimination is not shocking um, because it happens anywhere. Um, but how was it happening in this in this sense? Were they actually asking people their sexual orientation? 
So sometimes it was about denying folks uh, like same-sex couples mortgages together. I mean, we had a case in 2007 about exactly that in New York. Countrywide refused to allow a same-sex couple to share a mortgage um, because they didn't recognize not like domestic partners as family. Mm. Um, For most folks, I think this happens um, because they're gender nonconforming in some way. One of the earliest cases about this is a case in Massachusetts where a trans woman came into the bank and the loan officer told her to go home dressed like a guy until until and come back dressed wow. like a guy. So so I think that people feeling the brunt of it is absolutely the, the trans community. But I think we know that, you know, same sex spouses and partners, um, you know, get turned away and experience discrimination, whether by being denied opportunities or being offered um, you know, unfair rates or things like that um, it, as compared to different sex couples. So so it definitely happens. And how will this change credit security for the LGBTQ plus community now? So I think there are a couple of ways. I mean, one is that this sends a strong message to all lenders, right? That, you know, the, the CFPB governs all kinds of lenders, anyone involved in providing credit, whether we're talking about giant banks and credit unit unions, payday lenders, mortgage brokers, it it really governs just the entire credit industry. Um, But it also provides people who have been discriminated against with a clear route to getting that discrimination investigated and addressed. Um, You know, you can go to court, certainly, but having this agency that has tremendous power um, to conduct these kind of investigations is is a really important tool to putting a stop to the discrimination. You know, Lambda Legal is always working on something and creating such amazing change. What's the next thing that is kind of in y'all's view that you really want to make sure the Biden administration tackles? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of harm to be undone from the previous administration um, across the board. So trying to narrow it down to just one thing um, is is definitely a challenge. (laughs) I think, you know, looking at at this development, right, the ways that these agencies are interpreting all of the federal sex discrimination protections in this way is really important. And it also means that we all need to be working for the passage of the Equality Act um, to make sure that um, these these protections and more are enshrined to project protect LGBTQ people in every area of life. Mm-hmm. That was Karen Lowy, Senior Counsel and Senior Strategist at Lambda Legal. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for your hard work yeah. as well. My pleasure. Thank you. Now coming up on the show, why you shouldn't feel guilty for getting your COVID-19 vaccine. We're getting into that after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and we're talking about vaccines. You know, the ethical questions around getting your COVID-19 vaccine have definitely been around. And I think we all have it. You either have been in line, you're a a frontline worker, you've been uh, given the opportunity to get the vaccine. And then there are others, and we've talked about this, the vaccine chasers, and we've called those people out. Some people even in Florida acting like they're senior citizens to get a vaccine. And I think those things are wrong. Let's be clear. However, if you have an opportunity to get a vaccine and it would be otherwise thrown out, right, or someone has a bunch of vaccines and they ask if you want one, is it really that wrong to say yes and do it? Because in the end, we're all going to get one and we're and it helps the other person if you're protected. I'm so conflicted by this conversation because I don't think you should 
sh- I don't even know if I can say that. I don't think people should feel shamed for being able to get the vaccine, but I do think there's a sense of if there's so many people who can't get it right now that need it bad. I mean, it's even taking forever for our school teachers and nurses sometimes to to get it. It is just like if you have that opportunity where you're just someone who is a privilege or has the opportunity to connect with someone at the hospital to be able to get one. Yeah, I I understand why the feeling bad is because it's kind of like, dang, I can wait. I can literally just continue to follow protocols and wait instead of skipping ahead in the line. I see that. I feel like there's also been time. And and once again, if you have any thoughts on this. 833-77-CALL-Q is our number or at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, This isn't the first rodeo right now. We're, oh, you know, there, there has been offerings for more frontline workers and teachers and all that. And I don't think yeah, they have. that's been take, taken away, right? And there's just more coming into the market, more vaccines. And even Biden announced that today. Uh, but... Like the vaccine chasers, we said that was wrong before, and I, well, I do yeah, believe they were literally trying to manipulate. the well, system. Well, yeah, manipulating the done. system. But then this is the thing: if if the system is messed up and they're about to throw these things away, let's not waste them. So, what do you do about that? Yeah, I I get that. I, Don't I, hate the player, hate the game. But, uh, and, and here's the thing: I actually kind of understand that. Like, if you're sitting outside and you're waiting, and you know, like, oh, everyone has gotten their vaccine, and someone offers you saying, oh, well, this nurse, like, we're about to actually toss these, but I can give you yours super quickly. I would take mine as well. I would do it as well. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know. I just start to feel bad because even then, why not go? They should take those vaccines instead of throwing them away. Go to your nearest nursing home and and, and vaccinate those folks. Go to go and make things happen so it doesn't seem like there's things going to waste. And I think that's why there's such shame around if people get it earlier because they're like, well, that's kind of a waste, even though it's not because you getting vaccinated keeps other people safe as well. I didn't realize. Like, I talked to my mom today. She got it. And she goes, all these other people she knows in California have gotten it. Even my cousins. All these young people, and I haven't gotten it. I have friends who have gotten I haven't it. Even, I haven't even gotten my appointment. My I mom like, thinks I'm yeah. making it up being like I'm just on a waiting list. I'm like, no, that's literally, they said my group is not eligible yet, and I can't do anything about it um, unless I find a hookup. And we're in the office. I mean, th- we got to protect ourselves, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, something to think about. So LGT weird. show again. Hit us up. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, coming up on the show, Newsom is opening up California. What restaurants, theme parks, and even gyms are going to look like as soon as this weekend. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show right now, how climate change worked to end capitalism and also made everything more expensive. And what we can all do about that. How do we make uh, environmentalism and caring about the planet, how do we make it accessible? Well, especially when um, Jeff Bezos is saying that he's going to donate, I think like a, what was it, a million or a billion dollars? It can't be a million. That's like pennies. It was literally in the news. He's donating some money uh, to the climate change kind of movement. And I I wonder how that plays into this idea of uh, kind of breaking down climate change and what that means and how it's affecting other people because he has all the money. And I think he was a big part of the mess. (laughs) If he could give somebody away. packaging, transportation of these goods. So true. I mean, he was part of it. Uh, and also... A billion. Um, He's spending a billion a year to fight mm, climate change. I want to hear more yeah. about that. Also, it's National Women HIV Awareness Day. So what does that mean? And how you can get involved. It's just all about raising the awareness. That's also coming up in 15 minutes. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Because California Governor Gavin Newsom... This is big, everyone. 
He announced that we're going to hit 2 million COVID-19 vaccine doses in low-income, hard-hit communities, triggering a change to advance L.A., Orange, and San Bernardino counties into the red tier. Once again, the red tier is lower. It's it's better. You always think the Which red tier red, is worse. But red it's does purple sound to alert, red. alert, alert. I agree. Purple should have been before red. So does that mean big? Uh, not Big Bear. Uh, Barney was a actually a dangerous animal yeah, because he yes, was purple. Exactly. Purple. If purple means dangerous. So this this is for all the Disney folks out there. Disney theme park theme parks would be allowed to reopen on April first. 15% I'm actually of really capacity. Excited. I wonder if they, if in, since they're opening, the way, I wonder if they'll give us tickets again. <laughs> it's only for in-state visitors. Well, we are in the state. Take and advantage. I am ready to go ride to rides. Wasn't that a fun trip, y'all? Yeah. That was a good moment. Take advantage of it before everyone else comes back. Yeah, and just take some um, wipes with you. I would, literally, I think that's going to be the next thing that I do. I'm going to have, like, handy some wipes and, like, a fanny pack, and I'm going to wipe down my seat and everything, everything every time I'm there. But uh, the Disney CEO said Disneyland would reopen late April, but the other ones are April 1st around. Movie theaters will be allowed to reopen at 25% capacity or 100 people, whichever is less. Outdoor live events, sports, concerts are allowed to reopen at 20% capacity. That includes suites at 25% occupancy per suite. No Uh. more than three households gathered in each suite. Well, shout out to live events, concerts. I do miss a good show. Um, I just miss, uh, to be quite honest, I miss events with the the small bites and the open bars. Mm. Um, I, I miss a lot of things, and I'm very excited to for us to experience just being around people again and having those fun moments. Like I was a homebody at first, but no more. That is in the past. Wow. I will be shaking my bomb. Okay. In West Hollywood. Covered. Catch me. If you can. (laughs) Also, yeah, restaurants inside. It's going to really help, including with rainy moments like tonight. I got an outdoor reservation. I can't even make it. Oh, yeah. There's no way I would be eating outside at all. There goes my date night. Uh, All right. We want to get to what happened in Congress today. That's coming up in the next hour. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, but, you can do it right now. Oh, I can't do it. Yeah, All right, do make it. sure. Representative Sheila Jackson listed the mass shootings that have occurred during her time in Congress to advocate for HR 8, which institutes background checks for gun ownership. I was here for Columbine. That happened on April 20th, 1999. High school students losing their lives. I was here when babies were killed in Newtown, Connecticut, December 12th, 2012. I was here in the United States Congress each moment we tried to pass sensible gun legislation like H.R. 8. Thanking you, Chairman Thompson, for your So, by the way, meanwhile, most uh, Republicans acted like this bill, which makes it harder for guns to get in the hands of the wrong people, and that infringes on their rights, including, can we just play, this is so quick, but this uh, representative Republican from Colorado, Lauren Boebert, had this to say. Poor Uh, Lauren. uh, Okay. Um, I didn't didn't pull that Well, she talked about basically, oh, we have it. Oh, background checks. Yes, I yes. do. Just joking. Producer Vanessa is always on her job. I'm five foot tall. I barely weigh 100 pounds. I need something against a stronger potential aggressor to defend myself with. Talk about women's rights. Don't take my right away to protect myself. Oh, remember, this is... It makes uh, background checks harder for gun ownership. So guess what, Miss Lauren? If you haven't done anything sketchy, if you are mentally capable and you're not going to hurt other people, you can get a gun. I'm just saying it's reform, not taking them away. All right, that's it. I can't.
that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Cher loves a good soapbox. Um, so Naya Rivera's father blasted Ryan Murphy for allegedly not following through on some promises he made after her death. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So here's the deal. Responding to fans uh, tweets from, I guess, about praising Ryan Murphy for his statement on Naya's uh, death, unfortunately. George Rivera tweeted this. Everyone needs to know what Ryan Murphy really did, dot, 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 or didn't do. I'm about to blow up this story and make sure he knows that I know. So, whoa. I mean, that's pretty explosive. He appeared to be referencing uh, Ryan Murphy's promise to set up a college fund for Rivera and her, uh, well, for Rivera's son, uh, Josie, as he responded hot to a fan who asked, did they never open up the trust fund for Josie? Oh, my God. Um, basically, Ryan Murphy saw his da- uh, her dad kind of just saying all these tweets and decided to respond. Um, he said, myself and the other two creators of Glee have committed to create a college fund for Naya Rivera's child, Josie, through Naya Rivera's estate trust. We have been in repeated conversation with the appropriate ex- uh, executors of her estate. I mean, this feels like it's getting a little messy because, you know, if you make promises and you don't keep them... It takes one tweet, one tweet, and that's it to ruin it. Oh, yeah. It seems like this was pushed far enough that, you know, it had to be at the at the last uh, option. I mean, yeah. If her, right? If, unless her dad's kind of like Meghan Markle's dad and just like trying to take advantage of the situation, mm-hmm. then it seems like he is a dad being like, no, Ryan Murphy said he was going to do this. Where is that And he's help? hit him up. He hasn't gotten the call back. He's yeah. like, I'm going to take to Twitter now. It's pretty messy. And my thing is, Ryan Murphy said he was going to do it. It's not like the dad asked him to do it. Ooh. So, Ryan Murphy, get your stuff together. I got more T-Report coming up next hour. Coming up, the other side of climate change and the truth behind why everything has gotten more expensive. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Climate change has made it harder to get the things we are used to. Okay, we're talking about an angle to this conversation you might not be hearing because it is nuanced. And all of this has caused things to be more scarce and therefore prices to go up. Ryan Schlater is here, Senior Communication Specialist at Greenpeace USA, to explain all of this. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So can you explain, uh, when we when we discuss this conversation, because we know climate change is working to end capitalism, but it's also made everything more expensive. It's not the work of climate activists. It's actually what is happening is increasing the prices of everything. Exactly. Um, climate change is, is really disruptive. You know, extreme weather is really disruptive to the way that we live our, our daily lives. And the, the capitalist economy doesn't really have a good way to accommodate for that. And so the impact falls on people in terms of things like higher prices for the things that we need. Yeah. So does I guess, can you attribute the, the ongoing pandemic kind of a part of what we're seeing here? Or is this something that's always happening? I think they're related because, you know, like like I said, in the in the system that we have, um, a lot of people live with a really thin safety net. So when something happens, um, whether that's, um, you know, an extreme weather disaster that's related to climate change or the pandemic, um, not everybody has the, the sort of resources on hand to be able to adapt quickly. Um, and there's a lot of privilege involved in the decisions that folks make. So that's why when we look at, um, you know, what, what will it take to address climate change and the impacts that we already face, 
um, increasing sort of like social safety net and an investment in communities that have been really vulnerable um, for a long time is an important part of that. Well, let's talk about the real world impact of that, because I, I think we're seeing people wonder and we see this like, why is my food more expensive or gas or gas? Yeah. And like and they don't connect it to these things. Yeah, it's kind of how the system is designed, isn't it? Right. I mean, um, there's these massive corporations that rake in billions of dollars every year and they're sort of they're making decisions in closed closed door meetings about, you know, like how much the price of these basic things that we all need should should be um, rather than you know staying accountable to, to regular everyday people. Um, and so it's a it's a really big structural problem and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Um, and another thing that they've done is try to push the burden onto individuals. So, um, you know, they sort of suggest that individual decisions are the key to sustainability when in fact that's that's an intentional distraction tactic from the, the types of decisions that companies like, you know, Exxon and other big oil companies are making um, to shape the, the options that we have for living our lives. Yeah. And also when, when your land is getting hit by natural disasters, obviously farmers can't be able to make the same money they've been able to make. And uh, th- there's food shortages. And um, if we're blocking borders, um, you're also going to have a, uh, you know, the tariffs and all that, everything goes up. So, yeah, the whole system is messed up. Uh, but we want to talk about actions and policies that you're looking to get the Biden administration to take. Uh, so we see this being more accessible. And we're going to get into that right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with Ryan Schlater, Senior Communications Specialist at Greenpeace USA. As we talk about uh, climate change and it's continuing to worsen and as the planet continues to warm, Ryan, uh, business as usual will increasingly be interrupted. So how uh, can we prevent that from happening or is it too late? So business as usual is being interrupted by climate change, but the business as usual also helps to cause the climate crisis, right? Exactly. So the sort of continued reliance on on fossil fuels and kicking the can down the road on getting off of fossil fuels is part of what got us here. So this is a really disruptive moment. And that actually, you know, creates a big opportunity for us to make um, changes in the way that we've organized our our society and our economy. And the next big opportunity um, is the recovery package that Congress is going to start to negotiate this month. Um, So that's the investment package that's going to be designed to create jobs and and sort of restart the economy. And that's a huge opportunity to address address sort of um, inequality across the country, um, as well as create jobs that help clean up pollution rather than cause it. So it seems like there's a plan here. What are those policies? Like, what do those look like that we want the Biden administration to kind of tackle? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. So for folks who want to like really dig in deep on this, um, you can go to thriveagenda.com. The Thrive Agenda Um, is an outline for recovery that puts racial justice, climate action, um, economic equality, puts all of that at the forefront. And it's a set of policies. You know, there's no silver bullet here. There's a lot of things that we need to be doing. Um, But it's been endorsed by more than 100 members of Congress um, and a lot of leading different organizations around the country, including the one I work for, Greenpeace, as well as the Movement for Black Lives, labor unions, um, and other other types of, of organizers. And what are the day-to-day actions we can all take uh, to be part of this change? Because I feel like it can seem overwhelming or like a, a small change doesn't really make a difference. 
Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the, the number one thing I would encourage people to do is to, to reach out to your members of Congress, your senators and your representatives, um, and to, to let them know what are the priorities that you want to see coming from, from Congress as they try to address recovery from COVID, try to address climate change. Um, because the changes that we have to make are, are so big that individuals acting on our, on our own, um, you know, we don't have enough time to, to get there that way. So we need to really pressure our government. Um, and right now we have the best opportunity that we've had in a generation to actually get that kind of action from our government. Actually, I would love to get your perspective on the, this headline. Jeff Bezos is going to spend a billion dollars a year to fight climate change. It feels a little ironic. Would you agree? I completely agree. <laughs> um, and what what folks like Jeff Bezos often promote are these sort of like radical and Elon Musk, too, like these sort of radical out there, like new technologies when the answer is right in front of us. If we want to stop climate change, we need to stop burning fossil fuels. You know, there's no silver bullet technology that's going to solve that for us. We need to start the process of moving our, our energy system off of fossil fuels and onto renewable energy. Yeah, and um, all so these companies. I hope that's what Jeff Bezos spent his money on. Yeah, like these companies, like Amazon. He's not CEO, but I'm sure he has some part of it still, and making sure they're doing things that are right for the environment too. Absolutely, um, right for the environment and right for their workers. That's those yes, two things going it's all connected. Totally, Ryan Schlater. Thank you so much for being with us, Senior Communication Specialist at Greenpeace USA. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. Coming up on the show, how you can level up your knowledge and actions today for National Women and Girls HIV AIDS Awareness Day. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So it's National Women HIV <laughs> Awareness Day, just in time for Women's History Month. Yes. And um, this Awareness Day is a critical opportunity to shed light on the impact of HIV and on women and girls and to really encourage discussions about HIV testing, sexual health, and yeah. uh, the availability of HIV prevention, care, and treatment services. And I think this is really important to talk about this because typically HIV AIDS isn't mentioned a lot as it relates to women and girls. Yeah, it's it's very true. And the morning beat, they did like they had a really great conversation this morning um, with a doctor, and we thought it was really important to highlight on our show some of their conversation, right? Yeah, they talked about many things, including eliminating the stigma around HIV and PrEP regarding women, which, by the way, we didn't even realize that uh, PrEP was for women as well, but it is, and for those who are pregnant. Uh, women are also at risk for HIV, specifically uh, when it comes to women who have more than one sexual partner. And that's really what we talk about, too, with gay men. When we have uh, conversations with patients, we always want to talk to people in a respectful, non-judgmental manner to really understand and have them to be proactive when it comes to their sexual health. So really, anybody who has more than one sexual partner needs to have that discussion with their primary care physician or their uh, any provider on the potential benefits of taking PrEP and also, too, to be proactive when it comes to getting screened for many sexually transmitted infections. I think this is really interesting because not once has my doctor, Gyno, ever mentioned, hey, are you interested in going on PrEP? They've mentioned, hey, what contraceptives are, are you taking? Are you on the pill? Do you, uh, you know, use condoms? All that. It seems like it's a major failure on the health care system and how doctors perceive this uh, this disease, I guess, because it's it seems like 
um, people only think that you have to be queer to get this. And oftentimes we've had discussions on the show about how black women are the leading, actually, when it comes to contracting HIV. Um, and it's something that we have to really have these discussions and doctors have to be responsible enough to take away their biases and not considering it just to be a gay disease. That and also we've talked about the idea that the queer community has been used to speaking openly about these things and about their sexual health, yeah, right? Because sure. of the AIDS HIV crisis. And now because, because of that, I think the hetero community really needs to catch up because there are still, there's still so many stigmas and there's not a lot uh, just of around openness. STDs in yeah, general. ST, no, they, yeah, like, I feel not like just HIV needs. We're talking about the simplest I have stuff. so many straight friends who feel like I, I don't even think they even have the conversation about like ST like oh well, no, like, we've talked about what, the herpes all that yeah like I don't think it's anyone, weird to bring it up or yeah. if you do bring it up you think to yourself oh you're bringing it up because oh you might have something and it's bad it's like no I'm I'm being open and I'm protecting you and protecting myself we need to normalize this including in cis hetero communities and we want to credit again the morning beat for that great clip. You can catch them every morning weekdays here on Channel Q, six to ten a.m. Pacific, nine to one p.m. Eastern. Now, coming up on the show, we've got what's trending this hour. TikTok's new feature tackles harassment and bullying. More details next. Coming up on the show, are you sleepy all the time? You know, it's funny because I feel like I get enough hours of sleep, and yet I'm still sleepy. Well. <sighs> what a sleep. Yeah. Don't know her. Experts are saying anxiety could be impacting that, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that does most definitely really make sense. It does. Uh, and how to affirm the people in your life who use multiple sets of pronouns. That's coming up in 30 minutes. We give you the real real here. That's my new thing, right? I keep saying real real. It's the real. It shouldn't be your new thing. I'm, I'm just saying that as Is a that- friend. As a friend and as Is a colleague. I don't think you should say that. What's the real on the real real? That just sounds so lame. The real real? Do you like a producer, Vanessa? Oh, she needs to turn off her mic. I do. Oh, boom! (laughs) And I'm a hater usually. I won't be asking her again. I'm usually a hater, but I don't hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm leveling up today. All right, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden responded to reporters today sharing uh, what the U.S. will do with its surplus of COVID-19 vaccines. If we have a surplus, we're going to share it with the rest of the world. We've already decided we're going to work with the outfit COVAX. We've committed $4 billion to help get the funding for more vaccines around the world. This is not something that can be stopped by a fence, no matter how high you build a fence or a wall. So we're not going to be ultimately safe until the world is safe. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Now, TikTok has announced new in-app features to further fight bullying and harassment, in addition to adding features to support people with eating disorders. Wonder if it will make a difference. The filter all comments feature will allow creators to choose which comments will appear in the reply section. When the feature is enabled, only comments approved by the video creator will be displayed using a new comment management tool. TikTok already has an existing feature that allows users to filter out spam, harmful comments, and also specific keywords. I like that. This also still relies on the creator to go into those comments and still have to see what people are saying. Right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. 
that's the whole thing. It's hard enough to know they're there, let alone to have to be the person editing them. It's just like, deal with those terrible comments in private and block them. But, you know, it's I guess it's taken away that everyone will see them. I like this. A new prompt. This is actually really cool. It will also appear asking users to reconsider posting comments that may be inappropriate or unkind or violate TikTok's community guidelines. The prompt gives users an opportunity to edit their comment before they post it. Do you realize this is a D-bag comment? Do you really want to post this? You might want to reconsider. Yeah, I like that. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. Tyler Posey, you know, the one from Team Wolf. Uh, he's opening up, and I'm not talking about anything he, you would probably see on his OnlyFans. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Like I said, Tyler Posey, um, he's talking about his sobriety, which is very interesting because I had no clue that he was sober. Um, but in a, a new interview, he detailed the five-month period he was sober during the pandemic. And he also revealed that he's no longer completely sober. So I don't know if that this is bad news, but it seems like he's figuring it out. He said, I got sober in quarantine just to break some bad habits that I had since I was a kid. You know, smoking, drinking. I was full on sober for about five months and just really trying to take care of myself and was meditating every day. Um, Now, he was asked if he was still sober, and he said, I'm technically not sober anymore, but I keep in touch with everybody. I learned a lot about myself. I think he was in the news because yesterday he was trending all day, and if you saw it, then you saw it. If you didn't, you're lucky. Um, Because I think one of his videos from his OnlyFans got leaked, and it showed him doing some... um, I mean, he's an attractive guy, so I'm yeah. kind of into it. I, I would love to see whatever he's doing, but the video was really interesting. It was very private. Of his private. Okay. <laughs> he also, actually, he's now sexually fluid. Yes, that was my next little point. Oh. Um, <laughs> he, and he showed some fluid, too. <laughs> oh, gross. Okay, continue. Sorry. Yes, um, like Shira said, um, he also updated us on how his dad responded to him coming out as sexually fluid. Uh, We reported on it here. And he just basically said his dad was really chill about it. Like, he only uh, hit him up to say, like, I hope you're not getting stressed over everything. So I thought that was really interesting. Tyler Posey is someone I would have never thought in a million years would be in the position that he is in now because he was on a hot show, Teen Wolf on MTV, for a while. But, yeah, you see how life takes you. It's all about the journey. That's your report and innovating along the way i guess right coming up on the show why you can feel sleepy all the time why it's happening and it's not just because of being on zoom all day we've got a counselor joining us for that next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q are you feeling sleepy all the time yeah this is like a pump-up music uh it could be because of your anxiety This is real. This is something I want to get into because I'm feeling it. Dominique Apollon joins us who's a licensed professional counselor right now. Thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. No problem. So what's the connection? Thank you for having me. Yeah. No, we appreciate it. This is a really relevant topic. What is the connection between anxiety disorders and sleepiness? So there's actually a lot of overlap because anxiety is very much physical. It plays out physically in our body. If you think about even the symptoms of anxiety of a racing heart rate or um, increased um, heart rate, uh, sweating, trembling, um, even if you just think about the physical aspect of it, it it takes a lot out of you. And um, that 
sense of fatigue is because our bodies are essentially running as if it's being exhausted of all of its energy, as if we were running or if we were at the gym. Um, our body really can't tell the difference between it when we're anxious because our brain is processing it in the exact same way. Um, so sleep specifically is also important when it comes to anxiety separately because if you don't get good sleep at the end of the day, um, it can, like if you don't get like well-rested sleep mm-hmm. or REM sleep, a lot of your anxious energy will come out during that time and actually will cause you to be less anxious the next morning. However, we kind of find ourselves falling into bad habits like checking our phones in the morning, which actually just brings our anxiety right back and kind of sets the baseline for the day. Um, right. But, You're yeah. triggering so all please. of us in the studio right now. Sorry? It was a joke. It fell. Um, <laughs> You're giving me anxiety now, Ryan. Yeah, no. I, well, I didn't make the joke. Um, I think here's the thing. We're in a pandemic, and I think how do you know the difference between just regular old pandemic mm. fatigue and that, or maybe that you're just kind of having some an anxiety moment? Like, what's the difference? Yeah, I I think that it probably looks very similar in the sense that our baseline kind of feels anxious. I mean, with COVID kind of changing daily and not really not nothing is really consistent (laughs) um, with how things are. So it's all uncertainty that is just kind of lingering. And I think that's what we feel a lot of the time. Um, And then we just have the anxiety of feeling like we're not productive enough or maybe we're not we're not spending enough time with our family. It's it's a worry of not doing enough or not doing enough of something like particular to work. and even for those that are not working, it's that stress or worry of, you know, how am I going to spend the day? Am I spending the day in the most productive way possible? It's the worry that we bring kind of at the end of the day when we are trying to turn off right before sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, that anxiety that we experience can cause us to have troubles with falling asleep, staying asleep, and even how we feel when we wake up the next day. So I would say to tell the difference, um, is just determining the level of worry and how it's impacting or functioning. So I would say like the day-to-day worry, if it's high functioning, then you can kind of get through the day um, maybe feeling like slightly out of breath all of a sudden, or even if you just kind of bring your attention to your body, you'll maybe notice things like, oh, wow, I feel like I haven't like taken a breath in a while or all of a sudden you're like panting. So all right, Um, we want to get into just uh, as we wrap things up, what what does treatment look like? What can people do about this, at least as a starter? Yeah. So I would say um, definitely if uh, caffeine intake, if, if that is high, I would just decrease it. I wouldn't necessarily say eliminate because that could also put the body into a semi shock. (laughs) So I would say like decreasing caffeine, um, improving sleep hygiene. So Um, like putting your phone away before bed, like 30 minutes away, or even if you use your phone as an alarm, maybe put it across the room so that you can, so that you don't have direct access to it. Like once you wake up, um, because that sets the anxiety for the day and also affects your sleep right before bed. So again, if you can even go as far as moving your phone away, um, other things that kind of fall under sleep hygiene would be like really only using the bedroom for sleep and sex. So like if you're going to read um, or if you're tossing and turning for like 15 minutes, I would maybe even recommend getting out of bed and Mm -hmm. doing something with like low stimuli. So don't put the lights too high or don't watch something very like high action. You have really good advice, but what do you do? Like how do you get good sleep? Oh, okay. Let's go there. Okay. Um, 
I I stretch before bed. Okay. I stretch in bed to be more specific because yeah, I, I, do I can sometimes feel that lazy. Nice. <laughs> so it, it just gives me not an excuse, but like I will stretch in bed. Um, I've kind of noticed where I hold my stress. Um, so I hold it definitely in my shoulders. So I will um, even kind of check into myself of the day, like dropping your shoulders, mm. noticing where you're holding it, give yourself a quick back massage. Okay. Um, on so it's really trying to... Time. Yeah, it's trying to physically relax yourself because you can't be physically relaxed and feel anxious at the exact same time. They can't coexist, right? So you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to just calm the body physically. Um, Calming the mind will come kind of alongside that. Well, Dominique Apollon, thank you so much for joining us. Awareness is key, and you've made us all very much aware of our anxiety here in studio. Thank you, and have a great night. No problem. Thank you, you. Now coming up on the show, how to affirm the people in your life who use multiple sets of pronouns. That's next with Alex Jenny, the drag therapist. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As many folks are getting used to asking people for their pronouns and using the right ones, many questions are being brought up, including how to address those in your life who use multiple sets of pronouns. Uh, Now, this is something obviously like I feel like it's part of our vernacular, Ryan, but it's still something that we forget. We live in a bubble, right? Yeah, and it's it's also clear, well, we have to make clear that yeah. how people want you to use their pronouns is not a monolith, right? Mm. It's it, it depends, the different context, the different social situations you're in, and mm. I'm happy yeah. our guest is going to kind of break that down. Yes, we've got Alex Jenny, the drag therapist, joining us, a licensed clinical social worker and drag queen in Chicago, who works to uplift queer and trans people of color. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So this is such an important conversation uh, to have. And What do you have to say to those um, who are confused when it comes to understanding this, and but who who respect this, obviously, and want to learn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that to do your research, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to talk about it and to be okay with naming, like, here's what I don't know. I don't know what I don't know, and I'm, I'm working to respect your pronouns and respect your identities and you know support you and and then go out and actually hold yourself accountable to getting the information that you need in order to do that yes and sometimes doing the research i've often like because i think that's also my go-to to say as well but i think oftentimes sometimes doing the research people don't know what to click on and what's the right right information. So when looking up these moments, talking, especially when people are using like they, them pronouns, how do people navigate what's the right information to take in versus just like, you know, closing their eyes and choosing? (laughs) Right, for sure. I think it's about finding people that that you trust to have that conversation with. You know, I think we hear all the time like, oh, it's not anyone's job to educate. Mm -hmm. And in the context of meaningful, important relationships, I do think it's appropriate sometimes to to ask someone that you care about and say, hey, you seem to know a lot about this. Can you point me in the right direction? While knowing that, you know, everyone's experience is not going to be universal. And so being open to, you know, information changing over time, people having different understandings of what certain pronouns mean, Um, But I think having someone to point you in the right direction or following, um, you know, activists online who can point you to like other accounts and things like that, trying to build that um, community of people that you can kind of learn from 
as, in real time as you see them share about their life. Yeah, and your pronouns are they and she. And you mentioned something really, I, I think, important that there's freedom in, in context, right? And being clear mm-hmm. about context. Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yes, in this article with them, I explained that in queer and trans spaces specifically, I really love being um, be able to use the, word, the pronouns they and them because that feels like I they acknowledge that, you know, my that doesn't negate my womanhood. That is an expression of my womanhood, in fact, the, my non-binariness, the, the ways in which my womanness is not contained in what it means for um, cis women to, like, understand their own sense of womanhood, right? Um, and I think that it's tricky, though, in other spaces, um, particularly, like, spaces I, where I'm not comfortable with a lot of people um, or I feel like my womanhood isn't being seen, mm-hmm. people referring to me as they in that context because they're just defaulting to, like, an assumption, like, doesn't feel as good. Um, so it definitely kind of ebbs and flows depending on who I'm with and what space I'm in. So interesting. And I think that's important. Um, I even went through a situation recently. Um, and actually, I, I want to talk about this when we're in situations where, like, I'm in an airport and I see someone mm-hmm. and I want to reference them. Uh, but I don't want to necessarily insult them and say they, as you mentioned, that might not be the case. Let's get into that when it's not necessarily a safe space for everyone right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're back with the drag therapist, Alex Jenny. And I love what you do. And I I love everything that we're talking about in terms of affirming the people in your life who use multiple sets of pronouns. And a lot of times when you're having the the intimacy or that moment to actually ask for pronouns and talk about context, that's great. But sometimes you don't have the space to do that. Mm -hmm. I I found myself recently in a situation in an airport where I noticed someone was referencing someone in front of me as she, Mm. and I wasn't sure, you know what I mean? I didn't feel comfortable saying a pronoun, but yet you're like, okay, and we're in a general situation. We're rushing in the airport security. And I was like, am I being one of those white woke people now that people are just confused (laughs) as to what I'm doing and I'm making everything uncomfortable for everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's a tricky situation because you're never going to be able to guess someone's pronouns. And, you know, I even default to they in most situations until I hear otherwise, but that can be tricky with, um, you know, trans people who would feel offended by that. And so I think it's just acknowledging that like, we're going to mess up and we're not perfect. Right. And I think once we are able to acknowledge that, like, that doesn't make us bad people and we can hold ourselves accountable and apologize for harm that we caused and be okay with that. I think then we can like keep the conversation moving rather than trying to stay stuck in like, how do I be a good person? Mm, I love that. Thank you for that. I think that's something a lot of people need to hear. And we want to get into what being a drag therapist is and just your work before we say goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. I um, am the drag therapist. I'm based in Chicago. And I kind of decided that I wanted to integrate um, these two identities that I had because I found that the connection between my passion for mental health and also the celebration of queer and trans femmes of color um, really were a good pair and actually overlapped a lot more than I originally had thought. And When I first started drag, I thought that I needed to keep those two worlds separate because my drag is very sexy. I love showing skin. I love doing sexy numbers. 
And I was like, oh, then people will see me as unprofessional. Um, and then I started to wonder as a therapist and my ethics, you know, if I'm saying that I want to push up against, you know, the white supremacy of professionalism, then I should be okay with claiming all of me mm, and saying that that yeah. does not take away from my ability to be a therapist and be professional and be a clinician. Um, and so that's why I started to integrate those two worlds. And I've been so over the moon by the reception and all the cool opportunities I get to do at this intersection. Well, it's so cool. And we definitely cover that intersection. So we hope to have you back on Let's Go There. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Yes, that was Alex Jenny, the drag therapist. Thank you again. And coming up on the show, a top Netflix show might be coming to Broadway. We'll tell you which one next on What's Turning This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show again. I'm Shira. And I am Ryan. This is Let's Go There. We've got new hours here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, catching you up on everything you need to know about the world, life, your existence, and we go there. Yeah, I mean, we have to. It's in the title. If we don't, we're kind of letting everyone down. That's true. (laughs) And coming up this hour, National Women and Girls HIV AIDS Awareness Day is today. So we've got what you need to know, including your misperceptions around it all. Uh, And that's coming up in 15 minutes. Plus, the Biden administration has declared anti-LGBTQ credit discrimination illegal. What you need to know about that moving forward. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. During the debate on Democrats' $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package today, Representative Glenn Grothman, who's a Republican, no surprise, uh, took aim at the Black Lives Matter movement and the traditional family while making his case against the bill. And Representative Stacey Plaskett, a Democrat from Virginia, just went off on him. And I hope my colleague from Wisconsin will not leave at this time as he's talked about Black Lives Matter. How dare you, how dare you say that Black Lives Matter, Black people do not understand old-fashioned families. Despite some of the, the issues, some of the things that you have put forward that I've heard out of your mouth in the Oversight Committee, in your own district, we have been able to keep our families alive for over 400 years, and the assault on our families to not have black lives or not even have black families. How dare you say that we are not interested in families in the black community? That is outrageous. That should be stricken down. Yeah, that was a pretty horrible statement to make on yeah. his end. Yeah, but is it shocking? Hmm. It's not shocking yeah. that they but would I'm, make that But I'm statement. happy she called it out. Yeah, I mean, she's she's actually a rising star. If you aren't familiar of, uh, with Stacey Plaskett, she's a rising star, especially during the impeachment uh, that was going on when Donald Trump got impeached again. She was all over the news from um, The View, CNN, and, and also there was a meme of her being Superwoman. They changed her into Superwoman because she was coming to save the day. Yes. So she's, she's pretty iconic. Love that. And finally, American Airlines canceled employee furloughs today when the House passed the COVID-19 relief package that provided payroll support for the industry. And in a memo to employees, CEO Doug Parker and President Robert Isom said the notices 13,000 employees received last month warning about furloughs are happily canceled. You can tear them up. Airlines got a $15 billion boost in an extension of the payroll support program, which was a key provision in last spring's CARES Act that was set to expire April 1st. 
And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. Guess what show is being turned into a musical? It is time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So following the surprise success of uh, the television drama about chess, a stage musical of The Queen's Gambit is now in development. Sure, have you checked it out yet? The show I have. I you didn't have? watch that. I you actually liked it? did. Yeah, it was really good. I haven't. That's the one show I haven't really? actually finished yet. I was. You I, told me to watch it. Did I? Maybe. Well, I think no. Actually, because I I did watch a couple of the episodes. I just haven't finished it yet. That's um, good. It is pretty good. But I'm actually really excited about this because it is a part of Broadway's ongoing effort to kind of appeal to a wider and more contemporary audience. Promote opt opt. Obviously, prompting the recent success of like SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical, the Broadway musical, or the groundbreaking Hamilton, which combined hip hop and history on stage. Um, so they're trying to really c- capture these Netflix shows that are doing Smart. really well and turn them into musicals. And now I don't know if y'all knew this, but about 62 million people watched The Queen's Gambit in its first month. In yeah, its it was, first 28 days. It was also during the pandemic when we had nothing else to do. But yeah. yeah, it was still a very good show. But there was tons of shows that have came out then, and they have not gotten the numbers like this, except for like Bridgerton. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this. This is going to be exciting, and I think it's going to employ a lot of people mm-hmm. when Broadway opens back up, and we know that that needs to happen because we do not want Broadway to just fall to the side, to the wasteland. It's not. It's just going to change. It's going to take some time. Yeah, that's your tea report, and if you want to check out any of the stories that I've covered in this tea report, head over to WeirdChannelQ.com, and of course, keep us followed at social media, LGT Show, everywhere, honey. I'm looking. If you follow us, I'm going to follow you right back and I'm going to comment and like and, and spam and, and maybe, I don't know, send a flirtatious, like, flirtatious no. message. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes. Queen. So a nine-year-old girl had a really tearful, emotional reaction after her mom broke the news that she is going back to school after 358 days of learning remotely. Here it is. Guess what? What? Really? I haven't gone to school in such a long time. Now, this was just heartbreaking. Like, you see the emotion and of what this girl has been through and I can't imagine because there's so many young people out there that the, and parents this has been such a hard time and to These know that this is of joy, though. ending yeah but it, it's also for me it shows the trauma that's happened the past year of like being stuck in uh, this in your house or an apartment with your parents and just what they've been through and the freedom of going to school which many of us took for granted yeah, I guess we're. I'm. I I'm just getting something intense yeah, about I, this. I took something totally different. <laughs> I just thought, you know, she's probably so happy to get away from her mama and anybody else living in that house that she gets to see her friends again. She gets to like, you know, maybe do whatever you know fourth graders do. Exactly. And yeah, Normal I mean, life. there is most definitely going to be some trauma attached to this. But I think this is such a a beautiful reaction, and I'm excited. Kids everywhere are going to feel this. That's what I'm talking about. The mama should have been crying, lot. to be quite honest. I mean, I love how they have these papers, you know, those videos where they show the papers and each line. They're like, you, you see the story of what's yeah. next and it's the big surprise, yeah. the big reveal. The anyway, cards. It was very cute. Go check it out on Twitter at Reopen CA Schools. 
And also a shout out to Gap, who's celebrating a new generation of powerful activists and changemakers in a very beautiful way. They have their campaign now called Next Gen, and they've included a group of trailblazing teenagers who are all using their platforms to take actions towards the future, including transgender youth activist Rebecca Brusahoff and a philanthropist Mary Copany and also inclusivity activist Archie Iker, who also has Down syndrome. So this is really cool. And a shout out to Gap for doing this. And by the way, Target also just did this. They have uh, pictures in their stores where the kids' clothing's clothing is with um, models with Down syndrome. And I saw a post of someone with their son saying like, oh, look, this this kid's like me. And it's so beautiful to see that representation in those spaces. And so a yes queen to all of that. Yes, Queen. And that does it for our show today. We are back tomorrow, same time, right here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we're talking about this uh, Mike.com piece. Why do animators keep turning people of color into animals? The problematic nature of these animated characters and if some of them are uh, racist. And you were actually part of this article. Oh, my God. Yes, I was. I'm super excited to uh, talk more about this because I do think Disney and Pixar has to have to get it together. But some people think, is it really that serious? Exactly. So that's tomorrow's show. If you miss any of our show today, check us out as a podcast on the Radio.com app. Just search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, who's covering ooh how to re-enter the dating world. That's next. Bye, y'all.